you can go ahead and open your Bibles back up to Acts. This is the last one, so obviously we're going to start in chapter 1. So go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 1. We're going to do, again, we're just going to go through the whole book today. It's going to be a lovely, lovely time. We're just going to start at verse 1 and read the whole thing. That's not true. So here's the thing. This is going to feel a little bit like a review. This is, this is our final week in the book of Acts. This is our final week going through talking about these 10 different ways that, that Acts kind of reveals that God is building his church. And so I don't want us to lose sight of all the things that we've already been talking about for the last few months um, and, and, and just kind of the nature of what we're talking about this week really leads us to a bit of just kind of a survey through all of the things that we've said. Because, because we're going to be talking about the church on mission. God builds his church through sending his people out on mission. And, and, and if we just said he gives us this mission, that mission is completely informed by every single thing that we've talked about up to this point, that it's that the victory is empowered by the Holy Spirit, and that, that God is sovereign over all of the actions that He's taking within it, and that and that He's going to bring about the results even if they're painful at times. All of these things that we've been saying for the last few weeks, these last ten weeks, really do kind of summarize well in this idea that we are His church, that He is sending out on this mission. And, and we're going to start by reading. The Great Commission, the, 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 the call that he gave to his people before he, before Jesus was raised, after Jesus was raised up, before he ascended back into heaven, leaving us, uh, as his, as his mouthpiece, as his army that's going out and serving him in this way during this time. And, and it's one of those, I think there's a lot of application. In, in this sermon. This is kind of the application for everything that we've said up to this point. And I know for me, a lot of times when I'm prepping a sermon, the application is sometimes the hardest part. I can sit here and I can like tell you stories and come up with like creative movie metaphors and talk about pop culture references that connect to the scripture and kind of like lecture on things. But sometimes it's hard to come up with, so what am I actually supposed to do with this piece of text? What am I, what's my next step? What do I, where do I go from here? And so much of what I think that we're going to talk about today is application. It's just go do something, and what do you need to know as you go and do it? This is, this is one of those weeks where the application part is so easy because it's just right in the heart of the sermon. So if you're in Acts chapter 1, I'm going to read verses uh, 7 and 8. Um, I don't remember if both verses are up on the screen, but it says, uh, He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But, this is verse 8, you will receive power. This is Jesus talking. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is a very similar, this is the same account. This is the kind of the same time that Jesus was talking to a group of people. If you remember from our study in Matthew, in Matthew chapter 28, Jesus, talking to this same group, uh, said it this way. I'm going to start in verse 18 in Matthew chapter 28. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth. All nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Both of these passages kind of 
share kind of a similar through line, like, like a similar idea, a similar concept. As Jesus is, is calling his people and getting prepared to send them out, Jesus is leaving the work of growing the church, the physical work of growing the church to us. He's leaving the work of growing the church to the church. Like this whole idea, it, 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 it's, it's not the church is going to grow so I'm going to make sure, and again, we can talk about Jesus being the one who brings about the results and the Holy Spirit, and all of those things are present within it. But, but the work, the, the, the tangible work, the things that people are going to see are represented by the work that we as the body of Christ will do going forward. That was the, that was the intent behind what Jesus is saying here. But look again at how the battle will be won, Right? In verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. The same idea that we talked about, the Holy Spirit being what empowers the victory, empowers the result. All of that is still present in here, even though we're the ones who are called to go do the work. And as he said in Matthew, to go make disciples. Like, what does that work look like when he says, you'll be my witnesses? Making disciples, baptizing, teaching people to understand all the truths of the word of God. That is the work that was left to us by Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so this, this, whole, this whole week, all that we're talking about is just what are some things that we as the church need to know about this idea of mission, the mission that we've been given, the mission that we've been left, the directions that we were given by Jesus before he left us here when he said, all right, I'm going to go hang out up here for a little while, and while I'm up here, you guys are in charge of making disciples. What are some of the things that we need to know? And, and again, I'm not going to be able to get into every single thing that mission entails, but we're going to try to get into a couple of different truths that I think Acts reveals about the mission that are helpful to us as the church. The first of those is that God calls individuals to specific missions. So if you want to turn to Acts chapter 13, um, we've talked off and on a little bit. We actually haven't focused too much on Paul, which is crazy because he's like half the story of Acts if you read the whole book. Uh, we haven't gotten a whole lot into his life. We talked a little bit about his conversion and these sorts of things, but but we're going to look at Paul here in Acts chapter 13. I'm going to read verses 1 through 3. It says, Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then, after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Now, I don't want any of you to be triggered by the idea of laying on of hands amidst a pandemic, but this is a thing that the church does, and I can't wait till we get back to that again, because it's hard. Like, I keep leaning on the bar, and I keep getting shooed away, and it's very difficult for me. Um, but think about this. They're, they're all sitting there praying and fasting, and they all together, in a unified way, Hear the Holy Spirit's call, I want these two guys for this specific task. You may have experienced this at some point in your life where you felt like God is saying, this is specifically what I want you to do. I remember feeling that way and feeling very unified about that when we felt that God was calling us to plant CRC seven and a half years ago. And I remember thinking, we don't know what this looks like, but God said, no, go, do it. And we knew that we were supposed to do that. We felt that specific call. 
So I don't want to say that necessarily when you feel a specific call from God, that, that means he's calling you to do what Paul and Barnabas then did, where they, where they picked up and they traveled all around the known world planting churches everywhere that they went. I'm not going to say that's not going to be your call. That might be your call. And I don't want you to shy away if that is your call. I don't want you to be afraid of the idea that that would be what God is calling you to. But, but what I want us to realize is that God calls individual people to specific missions. God has a specific application of the Great Commission for you. Now, you may be saying, I don't know what that looks like. Right now, I'm working a job, and I, I attend this church, and I hang out with friends. Well, that may be the specific call of God right now, that you be a part of the life of the church, and that you through your interactions with people at work or interactions with friends or interactions with family that you're sharing the gospel and adding people to the church through that. That may be where you're supposed to be right now. There's, there's no area of the call for missions. There's no part of the Great Commission that is insignificant and small just because you may not be called to sell everything you have and move halfway around the world. You may be. I'm not. Again, I don't want to say that that may not be for you because it may be. Uh, we read a couple... Um, I guess it's been a couple of months ago now. Uh, on Wednesday nights, we had read through the book Radical. I don't know if everybody had a chance to read it, but if you have read Radical, there is this one section in there where he talks about you know, the high calling that following Jesus can mean. And it can look very radical to those around you to say, I feel that God is calling me to walk away from everything that my life currently offers, my, my, my consistent paying job and my, my safe house and my car, and all of these things, and I, but I feel this call that I'm supposed to go. And that may be there for you. Think, think about what Paul and Barnabas are experiencing here. They're like, wait a second, we're just supposed to get set apart and we're supposed to go, like now. One thing that's worth noting, though, and, and we didn't read this, but um, God called Paul to go all the way around the world, but what, what we didn't read in this section is that that happened after a period of Paul kind of just waiting and being trained and being taught and maturing and understanding better the truth of the Word of God from the perspective of a Christian instead of the perspective of a Pharisee. So it doesn't mean that the moment you're saved, you immediately get your call. Uh, I'm trying... I didn't have a movie reference written in here, but one just hit me. Does anybody remember B-movie? Ellie does. I'm going to hurt your feelings because I didn't like the movie. Is, I know, I know. But, but at the very beginning, when all the bees like graduate from high school, I don't know, I don't remember. But I remember the first thing, once you become an adult bee, the first thing they do, the moment you become an adult bee, they line you up and they basically assign you the job that you're going to have for the rest of your life. Like that. Go. Now you are a worker bee. Now you are an army bee. Now you are a... I don't know. I, don't, I, I can't do a good Jerry Seinfeld impression. Sorry. I mean, come on. Sorry. I'm trying to think about it. No cut. Stop. But this idea that the moment you get saved, immediately God hands you, here, here, all right, you are now a, a child of God. Here are, here's your paperwork, and this tells you exactly what the mission's going to look like for you specifically. That's not always how it works. Paul had to wait for a while. He was then given a very specific mission. And so you may be in a period of limbo in your life where you're like, I don't really know what God wants me to do. I don't really know where this is going long term. And in those times, it's worth saying, what was Paul doing? He was sitting, he was studying, he was waiting, he was being around the church, he was praying and fasting. Things that the church ought to be doing anyways, 
And so if you're doing that, you're still being obedient, and God may call you to something more specific, something wilder, something crazier, or he may say, I want you to work this 40-hour-a-week job, and I want you to live like a believer so that people notice something about you and you can share the gospel with them while you're there. Both of those are vital to the life of the church, and both of those are part of the mission that Jesus left us. And I, so I can't say, there's no, there's no blanket, this is what it looks like, other than we're to be witnesses for him all around the world. That's as specific as it tends to get. But wherever you are, I mean, if, if you read the, if you translate the Matthew 28 part of the Great Commission, uh, where it says, um, go and make disciples, that go is more like as you go. Like, as you live your life, be making disciples. Be baptizing people and teaching them to obey all the commands that I've left you. That's what the, that's what the Great Commission is, as you live your life. But God will call some of us to specific things. I would even say he will call all of us to specific things. It may just not be different from what we're already doing sometimes. But wherever you are, that's where God has placed you. Because, again, we talked about this throughout the series, that God is orchestrating this plan. God is building his church. God is working out all that he has established in from, 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 from centuries past, before everything was created. He knew how all of these things were going to play out, and he's still working those things out. So it's his plan that's being worked out. We just have to be ready to say, yes, I'm ready to go. Because you never know when that call may come. You may be sitting here praying this morning. Maybe you're fasting. Maybe you haven't eaten yet. Maybe, you're, maybe your tummy's rumbling because you're getting a little hungry and you want me to stop talking so that you can eventually get to lunch. But during that time, God may, through the Holy Spirit, in, inspire you to say, no, I'm supposed to go. I have, I, I'm supposed to be here. I'm not supposed to wait a minute longer. And that seems to be what happened with Paul. That would be awesome if we could all just know exactly what it was that God wanted for us to do every step of the way for the rest of our lives. Like that, if, if we could get that kind of a Holy Spirit moment, that would be so cool, right? We don't always get it right away. Sometimes we're left waiting and studying and praying and fasting. But he does work that way. And we can pray in that direction. We can pray that God would show us what is next because that's what they were doing. God, what is your will for us as the church? And he says, I want those two guys. Let's pray that way as the church. Let's be ready. So God calls individuals to specific missions. Second thing he does is God tells them where to go. If you want to flip over to Acts chapter 16, this to me would be, if we could get this kind of interaction with the Holy Spirit all the time, I would feel so great. Acts chapter 16, I'm going to read verses 6 through 10. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. How awesome would it be if the Holy Spirit gave us that level of specificity? It's like, we're going to go over here. And the Holy Spirit said, no. We're going to go over here. Jesus said, no. We're going to go over here. Jesus said, no, that's not it. And then he just immediately gives us a dream and says, no, this is where I want you to go. How cool would that be? And like I said, you may have experienced this. I really genuinely felt that way when we were planting 
CRC, that this was God saying, it's time, let's go here. There had been lots of other different ministry things that we thought about trying, and it was like, no, this isn't it, this isn't the right time, this isn't the right time to do this. And then it was like, no, come on, let's go this way. And we're like, are you sure? He's like, yep, go. We're like, where are we going? He said, I'll tell you when you get there. But, but how, how awesome is that, that God will give us the place, God will guide us to the places that we're supposed to be. I, we, you hear in the church, we use this phrase like, let's just pray that God would open doors in the right direction and close doors where he shouldn't. And, it's, and it becomes kind of this kind of colloquialism, this, just this, this thing that we say. You know, it's just kind of the way that we talk. But, but that really is how the Holy Spirit was working with Paul in this instance where he was saying, this is not where I want you to go. Like, they were like, ready to go take the gospel to Asia. And the Holy Spirit said, that's not what I have for you. You may be saying, why didn't, why didn't God want the gospel to go there? I don't know. I don't know. But he wanted the gospel to go to Macedonia. And that's where they went. And Paul planted churches throughout Macedonia from there. God gave them victory in the places that he wanted them to go. And he prevented them from going all the directions that they weren't supposed to. And I think that that's a hard thing for us sometimes to really acclimate to, this idea that God wouldn't want us to go somewhere that we think we're supposed to go. Paul talks about that in, in later on in one of his epistles where he's like, I really wanted to go take the gospel over here. And the Holy Spirit was like, that is not going to happen. That's not the direction that I want you to go. And sometimes we may be feeling like, I have this specific thing that I really feel like I'm supposed, I want to do this. I want to minister in this way. I want to go here. I want to, I want to start this ministry or I want to go to this place and I want to minister in this city or I want to go be a part of this, this community and I want to minister there. And it just continues to not be where God gives you victory. And sometimes it's like, these may be good things. Taking the gospel to Asia is a good thing. But that wasn't the thing that God wanted for Paul at that time. And we don't necessarily know why. He's not, he doesn't give us an explanation. He just says the Holy Spirit wouldn't let us go. So we didn't go. And so what I want us to realize is that, that God will show us where we're supposed to be. And he, that, that idea of closing off doors. He will prevent us from going the place that he does not want us to go. Because like we said, God is working out his plan. It's not our plan. We ask him to reveal what his will is to us so that we can, we can behave and obey and follow the things that he's calling us to. But ultimately, it's, it's up to him where we go. It's up to him what we do. It's up to him where we find victory. And we can rest in that, which also means we don't have to force it. We do that sometimes, right? It's like that door's closed. I bet I can get it open if I just hit it a little bit harder with my shoulder, right? I bet I, I, bet I can get through there. I bet if I just take it off the hinges, then I can get in. Or man, maybe, maybe if I just get like a paperclip out, I can pick the lock. And we can get through there. We do that. You're like, this is a good thing. I need to get over there because it's important that this happen. And God's like, I don't, I don't want you to go there right now. Maybe you're resistant to that idea. Maybe there's a specific area of ministry that you really feel passionately about that you are supposed to be a part of. And maybe God has continued to say, this is not what I have for you right now. And it is hard to let go of those things. It is hard to say, I'm willing to trust you, God, and, and let go of this thing and minister in a different area, or just sit and wait and pray and fast for you to tell me what's next. That is a scary thing to do, especially when we, 
We tend to be people who like to map out and plan. I mean, some of you. I, I don't map out or plan anything. Nothing. I don't know what I'm going to say next when I flip this page. We'll find out. It's, a, it's, a, it's as much of a surprise to me as it is to you. Sort of. But all that being said, but we, like, we feel safer when we understand everything. So we try to do our best to have a roadmap that we have designed, that we understand. And we say, this is the direction that we're going, and we have it all planned. And sometimes God says, no. That's not what I want. Just to kind of go back to, I, I, I've talked about this a couple times already, but when we, when we decided, decided, when we felt, when we accepted the call to plant CRC, originally our idea was we feel like we're supposed to plant a church sometime in the future. We'd love to take like a couple years and learn how to do that and plan out what a church needs to look like and what our ministry model needs to be. And we want to kind of have everything figured out so that when we are ready, we can go and make a splash and we're good to go. And God said, no, I want you to go in two weeks. But God, we haven't figured everything out. We don't know how to do this. We haven't even vetted people as elders yet. We haven't even, we don't even, are we going to have deacons? Where are we going to even meet? What is our, what is our weekly plan going to be? What are we, are we going to do anything on Sunday? We had no idea. The first time we decided that we were going to read the Bible out loud on Sunday night, as a church, like we've been doing since we planted the church, the first time we decided to do that was after lunch that Sunday morning. That's when we were like, well, why don't we just read the Bible? Sounds good. And so we started, and then God said, yes, keep doing more of that. And it's scary sometimes to not know what's coming up. It's scary to not have a plan. It's scary to not have a roadmap. But like we see with Paul, like he was like, am I supposed to go here? No? Okay. Am I supposed to go here? No? Okay. And then God's like, I want you to go here. But that took time. That took patience. But the moment God called him, he was ready to go. And he said, let's go. He immediately, what was it he said? When Paul had seen the, the, the vision, I love this word, immediately, we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Like, this is it. Let's just go. Sometimes we're waiting for that roadmap because, we, because God is wanting us to be free enough with our schedule, free enough with our plans, that when he calls us, we're ready to go at a moment's notice. How, how nimble could you be right now if God called you to go minister in a specific place that wasn't like within two hours of here? And he said, I want you to go minister there tomorrow. How nimble are you? Could you do that? I'm not saying that we should all be planning to like, like have our, our bug out bags ready so that we can, you know, just take off and go live off the land and I don't know where that analogy is going. But like, how ready and willing are you to the moment God does call you to something more specific as like you specifically, how ready are you to go? How willing are you to let go of whatever it is that's around you for the sake of pursuing that call? So God's going to show us where to go. But along the way, and I think this is important because this may be where you are right now. This may, you may not be, it may not be time for you to get called to go do something or something that you feel is, well, that's a big splashier kind of example of being called to ministry. This, may be, this, may, this part may be for you. The mission includes one-on-one -on -one discipleship. It's not just about going out and making disciples in ways that we've seen, you know, Peter and Paul work, where Peter's standing before thousands and they're all like, yes, we're going to join. It's not always that. It's sometimes that. And it may be that for you. 
But sometimes it's just about, remember that last part of the Great Commission? We sometimes focus on the go and make disciples and baptize them. But we forget that and teach them to obey all that I have commanded you. That part, that discipleship, that, that training, that raising up in biblical understanding. Go ahead and turn, if you want to, to, to uh, Acts chapter 18. I love this story because this story is about a guy named Apollos. Um, this has nothing to do with the sermon. That, he's my theory for who I think wrote Hebrews. Just we can, we can all take bets, and when we get to heaven, we'll see which of you were wrong. Um, but I, I don't know why. Just That's my guess as an aside. But Apollos is this guy who was, and you're going to see, really, really charismatic speaker, knows a lot of things, but doesn't understand, hasn't been taught all of the gospel yet. And I love this interaction that he has with a couple members of the church. Acts chapter 18, I'm going to start in verse 24. Now, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only of the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he wished to cross to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. When he arrived, he greatly helped those who through grace had believed, for he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing, the scripture, showing by the Scriptures that the Christ was Jesus. I love this story because it's like he is so passionate about what it is he's trying to share. He so cares so deeply about the things that, that God has called him to. But he hasn't heard the whole story yet. Like he's kind of got like the first, you know, three or four chapters of Matthew amount of story. Like he knows that, that Jesus was the answer, but he didn't know that he had died and had raised and all of these things. So he couldn't, he couldn't completely explain the truth of the gospel, meaning he was presenting kind of an incomplete gospel. I mean, one of the things that we've talked about in the series that is so important that we have, have a clear presentation of the gospel, that we have an accurate understanding of what Scripture teaches. And Acts complete, complete, repeatedly gives examples of Peter and Paul and Stephen and these guys saying, hey, this is the whole story accurately told of the gospel and we want you to understand and know these things. And Apollos had the heart. He was excited, but he didn't have the whole picture. And, and so a couple other believers saw, heard, they're like, this guy gets it, but he, just, he doesn't have the whole picture yet. So they pulled him aside and they spent some time discipling him, teaching him, teaching him to obey all those commands, all those things, all that truth that they didn't, he didn't understand just because he hadn't been taught it yet. His heart was in the right place. He just didn't have a complete understanding of the gospel. And just because, just because you're saved doesn't mean, again, it's not like when you're saved and you're handed your, your marching orders, this is what your Christian life is going to look like. You're not also immediately given perfect understanding of everything in the Bible. If you have perfect understanding of the Bible, I'd love to talk to you afterwards because I would love to know. But like, this is the thing that he, he, he was, he was ready to go. He was willing, but there still need to be some time of training and understanding and growing and maturing and all of these things that are also important to the Great Commission. 
that teaching all of those things that I've commanded is so vital to our work as the church. Because we don't just, we don't just, we don't just, you know, kind of raise the banner, hey, follow Jesus. People are like, yeah, I want to follow Jesus. Cool, talk to y'all later. And then we're out. Right? Everywhere that Paul went, he didn't just preach the gospel and see people become saved. We talked about this last week when we talked about church structure. Everywhere that he went, he left believers in positions of uh, and elders in positions of leadership in all of these churches so that they could continue to train up and raise up and teach all these truths to the rest of the church. It's not ju- the, the mission doesn't just stop with people being saved. That's a, that's a really important part, and we really want to see people get saved. But we don't want to just see people get saved and then leave them to kind of flounder wondering what's next. We want to make sure we complete, we want to complete the act. We want to make sure that they're growing and following Jesus and actively becoming more and more like him, or else they're not going to become disciple makers themselves. They're not going to be able to go out and accurately teach the truth of the gospel and see more people come to know Jesus. And so, and so these are the things that we kind of see throughout about the mission here in Acts. And one of the things that I want to, just as we kind of start to wrap all of this up, it starts in Acts, in Acts 1 where he's saying, this is the plan. The Holy Spirit's going to come, and then you guys are going to take the gospel everywhere. You guys are going to go all over the earth sharing the news, the good news of Jesus. And by the end, I mean, Paul's, Paul, Paul's answering the call took him all the way to appearances before Caesar and presenting the gospel to the, the most powerful person in the world at that time. Like, like the gospel really did go everywhere. Everything that, that Jesus said would happen, again, because it's his plan and he's working it out, actually happened. Acts, I'm just going to read Acts 28, 28. This is just Paul talking about his experience. And he says, Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. It's gone beyond where it started. It's not just to the Jewish believers in Jerusalem. The gospel started to go all over the place. And so I just want to take, take just a second just to kind of remind us of the things we've talked about over the last, what, two and a half months? Last ten weeks? As we've looked at what, what Acts has been teaching us. But, but I want you to look at all of these things now through the lens of the mission that we've been called to. Like, like if our mission is to go and make disciples, to be witnesses on behalf of Jesus all over the world, there will be times where we do that through waiting. There are going to be times where we have to stop and say, God, what's next? I don't know. And he may say, just hold still for a second. It's going to be done through the power of the Holy Spirit, through gospel clarity, understanding what the message is accurately, trusting that God is going to be the one who's going to bring about the results, not because of any one specific thing we say, not because we use the right words, but because he brings about that victory. And throughout that, we may experience persecution. Just because we're, we're following him doesn't mean it's always going to be easy. The mission may have some bumps along the way. But as, the, as, we, as, we, as we obediently follow him, filled by the power of the Holy Spirit, signs, wonders, miraculous things, we're going to see these things taking place. And the gospel is going to go all over the world and bring all kinds of people together. 
and unify all different nations, all different races, all different socioeconomic statuses, all different backgrounds, all different experiences, all different family structures. He's going he's gonna to unite all of us together through the power of the gospel. And he's going to bring us into a unified community. He's going to give us a family. The mission, the mission leads to our connectedness with other believers. The mission doesn't send us off in isolation. Paul was not just called by himself. He went with people. He had community. And wherever he went, he built more community and left them in community, connected to one another, with people who were called specifically to continue to, to lead them and shepherd them and guide them as he left behind elders and deacons in different places to serve and meet the needs of the church. All of this is part of the same mission. All of these things that we have talked about are specific aspects of the mission, but we, you, you, I are in different places in the way that we are experiencing the mission right now. Like You may have a really specific call. You may know exactly what it is that Jesus has for you today, tomorrow, and into the future, because he may have revealed that to you. And if he does, that's great. Go do it. How can we help? How can we be a part? You may be in that period of waiting. You may be pushing back against him saying, no, I'm supposed to go over here. And he's saying, no, you're supposed to let go of that. And you're supposed to come over here. So I want us as the church to, to really think about our relationship to the call of God on our lives specifically. Because he has something for you. Maybe it's just, and when I say maybe it's just, I'm not trying to say this is less important. I'm just saying maybe it's just what you're already doing. And you're looking for something different than where you are and not just being satisfied with where God has placed you right now. Maybe he is pushing you towards something else and you're resisting. Maybe you haven't even asked him what you should be doing. Maybe you're just kind of going through your life. Maybe you're coming through the church just to kind of tag in, and you're not really thinking too much more about just being a part of you know, a couple of gatherings a week or hopping on a Zoom call and chatting and having fun talking to people. I don't know what your relationship is to the mission right now, but here's what I know. If you are a believer, you have a specific call to go and make disciples being witnesses for Jesus in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That mission has already benefited all of us because we are the ends of the earth. Right? The gospel making it to us, that happened because people were obedient to that call. And that call is still there for us who are now believers and ready to be a part of that mission. So, so I, just, I challenge us all to ask ourselves, you know, to pray and ask God, what is it that you have for me now? What am I supposed to be doing next? Where in my life am I resisting you? Because, because if we as the church are, are just completely surrendered to Jesus and say, whatever you want from me, you've got it. Wherever you want me to go, I'll do it. Whatever you want me to say, I'll say it. However you want me to, however you want me to live, I'll do that. If we can all be that, then, then God is going to build his church through that. The church will grow. The church will be built up. People will come to know Jesus because that is what God said would happen. 
being his, his faithful witnesses, will lead us to that sort of victory that he describes, seeing the gospel go all over the place. So, so that's my prayer for us. That's my desire for us as the church, that we would be able to become a part of that, that we would, we would all just buy into that mission and really go after it with everything that we have.